the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Sometimes you can look at your life and you can think, I didn't expect to be here, and you're amazed. And other times you can look at life and think, I didn't expect to be here, and you're devastated. Some of you are in a place where you, didn't, you couldn't imagine you would be 10 years ago. But this is where you are now. And there's, there's that good aspect of the unpredictability of life, and there's a, there's a devastating aspect of the unpredictability of life. But it's the grace of God that takes you to the height, and it is the same grace of God that will visit you in the valleys. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ecclesiastes. Life is unpredictable. As Christians, we are not guaranteed wealth or easy lives. In fact, we may even find our lives are harder for it. But Jesus promises to be with us. No matter what circumstances we may find ourselves in, He always offers us grace and salvation. Pastor Gary teaches us that life is not fair. We learn this was true in Solomon's time, and we see that it remains true in ours. Nonetheless, through serving Christ, we can expect fruitful lives. We will bless others, and through them, we will someday find great joy. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 with part 2 of his message, The Destiny of Eternity. Now there is, there is an element of truth to all these different questions that he's asking here. Because the fact of the matter is that the wise and the unwise alike die. The righteous and the unrighteous alike die. Human beings and animals alike die. The rich and the poor alike die. Death is common to all. Death is no respecter of persons. We all die. And in that sense, Solomon is right here in his observation. But where Solomon goes wrong is the way he thinks about death. The way that you think about death has absolutely everything to do with how you live your life. Your view of death will ultimately control how you live life. If your view of death is that it's the end game, it's what follows the two-minute warning, and then you're completely done, it's over, well then your idea of life is, I'm going to live it to its fullest, I'm going to have as much fun, I'm going to be as carefree and reckless, I'm going to experiment with this, experiment with that, I'm going to try and fulfillment in this, I'm going to try fulfillment in that, because I'm going to die. 
So, you know, it's just kind of a race to just enjoy as much as I possibly can, often to our own detriment, because I, I got to get in all this fun, excitement, experience, and worldliness because I'm going to die. You see, your view of death, if that's your view of death, it will control the way that you live. But if, on the other hand, your view of death is that God has prepared a place for us, that this is not the end, that death is not fatal, because death is simply a transition for a believer to move from this life into eternity, well, then you live your life with a whole different perspective. And, and you live your life with heaven in mind while still having one eye on the earthly reality. So it's kind of one eye on the present and one eye on the promise. But how you view death will absolutely control how you live your life. And Solomon's view of death was, it's the end game. It's time out, time over. And instead of seeing death as the great equalizer, what Solomon saw death as was the great thief. He said, death is going to rob me of all the enjoyment and rewards of everything I've worked so hard for. Because at the end of the day, it's all going to be over. I'm going to give all my stuff to somebody else who comes after me. I won't even be here, so I can't even enjoy it, and, and, I, and I can't even really uh, experience the fulfillment of all that I worked so hard for. And this is where he goes wrong in his view of death. Solomon basically has concluded, okay, if life is just about you know, growing up, going to school, getting a job, uh, earning a lot of money, getting married, having some kids, saving for retirement, growing old, until one day they put you in a pine box and they paint you up like a circus clown. Well, then this is pretty cruel. That's the way he looks at it. He goes, this is pretty cruel. Life is pretty cruel. And if that's your perspective, then yes, life is pretty cruel. If all you have is to live for this life, then yes, it seems like a cruel joke. But what if, what if death is not the end? What if there actually is life after death? What if there's more to life than just the here and now? What if God has prepared something unimaginable for us that is literally out of this world? Because He has. This is why Paul will write in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. What if God has actually prepared something so fantastic, incredible, and eternal for us that it would motivate us in a right way how to live our lives now so that we can experience eternity later? This is why Paul will also write in Later on in, First Corinthians, uh, sorry, in Romans chapter 8, how we groan while we wait for our adoption as sons and daughters. We groan, there is this agony in the wait, but we must be patient for all that God has promised for us. So Solomon understands that there is eternity that God has placed in the heart of man, but he has lost sight of it himself. You don't need to turn in your Bibles, but back in chapter 3, verse 11, Solomon says that God makes everything beautiful in its time, and that God has set eternity in the hearts of man, but we cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. God has set eternity in the hearts of man, 
Solomon admits that there is this longing in our hearts for something greater than ourselves, that there's something in our hearts that longs for something more than what this life offers. That's eternity set in our hearts. But instead, sadly for Solomon, instead of pursuing the longing to the ultimate source, which is God, he ends up pursuing instead things that he thinks will satisfy this deep longing. Again, the wine, women, wealth, and work, which ends up proving to be quite unsatisfactory in his life. So he denies God's rightful place in his life, and he resigns himself to the idea, well, I might as well have as good a time as I possibly can because it's all going to come to an end. Listen, for a person who does not know God, and that's where Solomon is at this time in his life, he's not walking with the Lord. For someone who does not know God, this life is as good as it gets. This life is as good as it gets. And I don't, I don't say this to patronize anybody, but I say this with all sincerity. You know, when, when I see people who are really sold out to the party scene, I think to myself, that's as good as life gets for them. And how sad is that? That's as good as life gets for them. But see, for a believer, this life is as bad as it gets. For a believer, it's just the opposite. This life, this world is as bad as it gets. And that when we die, we step into eternity. It's just a change of address. But friends, for the believer, we're moving on up to the east side, to a deluxe apartment in the sky. Okay, the ultimate reward that God has purchased for us, that we might be with him forever and ever and ever. So this world for a Christian is as bad as it gets. For those who don't know Christ and have no hope beyond the grave, this world is as good as it gets. But there's much more than what this life has to offer. That's why Paul would write in Romans chapter 8, I consider my present sufferings not worth comparing to the glory that awaits me in Christ Jesus. Because he knew that there's something far better that outweighs all of this mess. So we persevere. We live as aliens and strangers in the world as the Bible teaches. We will feel sometimes oddly out of place because this is not our ultimate home. Our ultimate home is in heaven. Our, Our citizenship is in heaven. But we make the best of it. We enjoy life. We are salt and light in our world. We want as many people to know the love and the forgiveness of Jesus that we've come to experience and understand. That becomes our mission to influence the world so that the world won't influence us, but that we would spread the good news of Christ and the love of Jesus wherever we go because we want as many people to go to heaven with us. And so this becomes the ambition and desire of every Christian living out your life in this world. Now, again, it's this concept of, as a Christian... I'm going to keep one eye on the present and one eye on the promise. I'm going to live my life to the fullest on earth. That's the present. One eye on the present. But I'm going to have one eye on the promise because that shapes my ultimate perspective on how I live my life here. Despite the fact that Solomon had lost perspective of the promise, he was all about the horizontal. He was all about finding fulfillment here, which ended up being a miserable disappointment. Despite that, he gives us actually some pretty good insightful truths in chapter 9. So if you'll look again here at chapter 9, if you have your Bible still open there, I just want to share with you three things that he has pointed out to us that I think are good reminders about the present. The present. We're going to keep one eye on the present, one eye on the promise. The first thing that Solomon says here in chapter 9 is that life is in God's hands. Uh, Look at verse 1. 
He says, so I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. Underline that in your Bibles or highlight it. That life is in God's hands. Isn't that comforting? That's a good reminder for us. It's a good reminder that when life seems to be drifting off course, that God has a grip on the helm of my life. And that when the waters seem really choppy and rough, God has a good grip on the helm of my life. And then when it seems that, you know, I'm just kind of drifting forever and always at sea, can't even see land, that in, in this patient endurance of life, God's got a grip on the helm of my life. David would write in Psalm 31, verse 15, My times are in your hands, Lord. It's a very surrendered thing. Psalm 31, 15, My times are in your hand. God holds us in the palm of his hand, and he cares for us, and he comforts us, and we need to trust him. We need to rest in that knowledge that our life is in God's hands. God would say through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 41, 10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God will hold us in the palm of his hand, figuratively speaking, that God will care for us and God will take care of us. There's nothing in life that is a mystery to God. God knows about it and God cares about it. Every single thing we go through, we can trust God with our lives. Our lives are in his hands. Solomon points it out. It's a truth statement. It's a good reminder to us. My life is in God's hands. Don't worry. Don't fear. My life is in his hands. The second thing that he points out here, number two, is that life is to be enjoyed. Now look again at verses 7 through 9 where he says this. He says in verse 7, Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. With essential oils, I guess. That's what he's talking about there. <laughs> Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. And then it trails off miserably all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All right. So, you know, he's, he's still hung up on, you know, I, life is miserable and meaningless. But meantime... Go eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, uh, you know, dress up, put on some essential oils, and enjoy life with your wife whom you love. And, and there's truth to this again. Look, we need to enjoy life. God has given us life, and we are to enjoy it to its fullest. Don't, don't let the world have all the fun. You know, Christians, it's okay to actually enjoy life and have fun. Laugh a little. Loosen up. Have fun. Now, I'm not suggesting, I don't think Solomon's suggesting, either, get wasted. You know, this whole part here about, you know, go eat your food with gladness and go drink your wine with a joyful heart. It's not like, you know, resort to gluttony and drunkenness. That's sin. But nevertheless, he's saying, just, you know, enjoy life a little bit. Loosen up. You know, Christians, the words he uses in verse 7 talks about gladness and a joyful heart. Christians should be the most glad and joyful people on the planet. That's why, you know, every once in a while people... 
I kind of get in trouble sometimes for my humor once in a while, but, but people, you know, will say stuff about my humor. The reason I try to interject a little humor once in a while is because, you know, life is serious and we can't take ourselves too seriously. And let's just loosen up and enjoy life a little bit and laugh and spend time with family, you know, get dressed up and, and go someplace and, and have fun. Don't get crazy. Don't get reckless. Don't get sinful, but enjoy life. And even says here in verse 9, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Have fun with your wife. Have fun with your spouse. Or get one so you can have fun with your spouse. (laughs) But you don't have one. And by the way, along those lines, don't let the mundane, just those regular obligations of life rob you of having fun with your spouse. Because there's always laundry that needs to be done. There's, there's always bills that need to be paid. The lawn always has to be mowed. And we can, we can often look at life and think, well, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. You know, it, it's taken me years to figure this out. So, you know, just I'm trying to liberate some of you. I, I have, I, you know, I'm a list guy. And I can't have fun till my list is done. Can anybody else relate to that? Okay, I'm starting a support group after the service today. <laughs> And I, and I just, I can't really enjoy myself till the list is checked off. But what often happens is the list never is complete. And so then you can keep trying to work your list, work your list, work your list, work your list. And then you never have any fun to the neglect of other people that you love. And so it's important that we recognize, okay, the laundry could go another day. Come on, honey, we're going to go out tonight. It's okay. It's okay. The bills aren't going to get paid tonight, but let's go see a movie. It's okay. It'll still be there tomorrow. But we have to still capture the fun of life now and enjoy time with the ones we love. Let me, let me tell you on this area of marriage. I'm going to give you some good news and bad news. And this area of marriage and enjoying life with your spouse, here's some good news. Since 1990, since 1990, the divorce rate for people ages 25 to 39 has dropped 21%. Since 1990, the divorce rate for people ages 25 to 39 has dropped 21%. Now, here's the bad news. In that same time period, since 1990, the divorce rate for those over 50 has more than doubled, 109%. Why? What they found out is they weren't having fun along the way. So now you're in your 50s, the kids have left the house, your career is winding down, and you're sitting across the kitchen table with your spouse sipping a cup of coffee, and you're realizing, I don't even know you, because they haven't had fun together. They haven't spent time together. They've been so busy building the career, raising the kids, paying the bills, doing all the obligations, checking the list. They haven't had fun. Have fun. It's okay. Christians can have good, clean, godly fun. (laughs) Enjoy life. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy time together. Finally, number three, Solomon points out an obvious thing here, but he tells us, he reminds us that life is unpredictable. In verse 11, he says, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. 
In other words, what he's saying here is, hey, the swiftest person does not always win the race. And the strongest person does not always win the battle. And the wisest person is not always the wealthiest. He said, life is unpredictable. Things don't always turn out the way that we think. And that can be good and that can be bad, obviously. Life is unpredictable. And because it can sometimes throw a curveball and catch us off guard, we can end up finding ourselves in a place where we didn't expect, in a good way and in a bad way. Sometimes you can look at your life and you can think, I didn't expect to be here, and you're amazed. And other times you can look at life and think, I didn't expect to be here, and you're devastated. Some of you are in a place where you, didn't, you couldn't imagine you would be 10 years ago. But this is where you are now. And there's, there's that good aspect of the unpredictability of life, and there's a, there's a devastating aspect of the unpredictability of life. But it's the grace of God that takes you to the height, and it is the same grace of God that will visit you in the valleys. It is the same gift of God, because every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights, that takes you to the heights, and it is the same God who is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. It's the same God, but life is often unpredictable. And we need to bear in mind that with the unpredictable nature of life, there is a predictable God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who does not change like the shifting shadows, and He is always going to be the constant in my life, no matter what life throws my way. Amen? And so despite the fact that life is unpredictable in good ways and bad ways, God is always reliable, dependable. He will never leave us, never forsake us. He, he loves us. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He, he knows the beginning from the end. Nothing surprises God. He's not caught off guard like we are. He is the constant. He is reliable. He's the rock. He's the source that we need to always turn to in thick and thin. Moreover, in terms of the unpredictable nature of life, Solomon adds in verse 12, Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. The day of our death is unknown to us, not to God, though. In Psalm 139, verse 16, David would write, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David made a true statement there. God knows the beginning of our days from the end of our days. He knows our birth and he knows our death. And he knows everything in between. But again, for the Christian, for one who knows the Lord as Savior, the beginning from the end, birth and death, death is not final. When you speak of destiny, don't think of destiny as being finality. Think of destiny as eternity. Because for the believer, death is simply a transition from this life into eternal life. When you breathe your last breath on this earth, you step into eternity in heaven. That as a believer, the promise that we hold on to is the fact and the truth which is revealed to us in Scripture, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That when we experience physical death, it doesn't mean the end of our lives or the annihilation of our lives. It just simply means our body returns to dust from which it was created, but our spirit goes immediately into the presence of the Lord where there will be no more weeping or crying or pain, no more cancer, no more disease, no more death, no more temptation, no more frustration, no more anything that is horrible or uh, discouraging because, as God says, the old order of things have passed away. Be 
behold, he says, I make all things new, Revelation 21, 5. How many of you are looking forward to a new day with the Lord? Amen. Now, that doesn't mean we hasten death. It just means we live out our life to its fullest. And on that day when we do go to be with the Lord, it shall be a glorious day in his presence. No more crying, no more pain, just eternity with our Lord. And if you have any doubts that you would spend eternity with the Lord, then I invite you today to receive Christ as your Savior and to clear that question up. We're so blessed to be able to bring you challenging and biblically-based teaching with each new edition of Cornerstone Connection. We hope your faith is made stronger each time you tune in, as well as each time you open your Bible for yourself. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Gary's teachings in the book of Ecclesiastes, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. We have an extensive archive of teachings available for you there, which you can listen to or watch right online. Feel free to share these with friends and family. You can also download our mobile app to keep God's Word with you as you go about your daily activities. Do you live in the Leesburg area, or will you be visiting soon? If so, we'd like to extend an invitation to join us for our weekly gatherings. We meet each week to spend time in prayer and worship, studying the Bible, and getting to know each other better. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to get service times, more information, and directions. You can also call us, 703-771-1500. We love getting to chat with our listeners and finding out how we can be praying for them. That number again is 703-771-1500. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.